0: Just the reality of of, uh, where we're going as a church too is this incredible um, understanding that we're in two places at once, two realms. That when we gather together and we sit here this morning, we are not discussing a philosophy, we're not discussing a way of life, we're not discussing some nice uh, doctrine about something and how we can do it better and how we can display it better. This is not a club, this is not a golf club, this is not a country club, this is the church. And the church, the reality of the church is in two places at the same time. It's in the realm of heaven and the realm of earth. And our responsibility as the church is to bring back the dominion, the rule, and the reign of Christ from the realm of heaven onto this earth. We were given that mandate as Adam and Eve, and as it spread and as it flowed, we were, con- we were g- continued, continually given that mandate. It never changed. It's just we rebelled against the mandate of God. Through Adam and Eve, one man's disobedience led to? All men, right? Through that rebellion against God, friends, and that's why Jesus had to come back. He had to restore back this incredible privilege, this incredible relationship, this incredible identity of being sons and daughters of God, living on this earth and bringing heaven to earth. When we come here on a Sunday and we worship Him and we love Him and we spend time together, that's the privilege, that's the honor, that's the joy that we have. We're not just singing songs, not just to find out a philosophy, friends. We're not just trying to find out and get 100% on our test mark for the kingdom of God and what the principles are so we can learn and know exactly how to apply the formula so that we can do it right. Because at the end of the day, friends, what you get is a church that has a kingdom without a king. And that, my friends, is pointless. So we have a whole bunch of the church running around who don't even know the king but they're applying kingdom principles and the power and the presence of God and His sovereignty and His grace is sometimes God just moves because they're the principles, friends, and because gravity works no matter whether you believe it or not. But don't get fooled in the overall understanding, friends, that it's always been about relationship, not about getting full marks, friends, or getting it right. Friends, if I'm gonna cause some person to jump out of a wheelchair without knowing Jesus, it's irrelevant. Very quiet in this Presbyterian church. (laughs) Friends, I'm the contact point for heaven. When you encounter my life, you must encounter heaven. Not a miracle, heaven. It's no good you jumping out of a wheelchair, friends, but ending up in hell. I'm smiling, smile, Jesus loves you. He thinks you're so cool. But the reality is, friends, we all have got a mandate that's very powerful and that what God wants to achieve in and through our lives is crazy wonderful. And the reality is, friends, if you don't understand that God loves you, you will end up feeling indebted to Him and you will only serve Him. But when you understand that God loves you, and He chose you first, friends, you will understand that you have a relationship with Him, that you're His son, and you'll want to partner with Him. There's far too much of the church wanting to serve God instead of partnering with Him, because they don't know Him. I no longer call you slaves. I don't want you to go about and do, I want you to partner with me as sons and daughters. I want you to grow and develop my family. My design for you on this earth was that we would build my house, a place where you and I could have fellowship, where we could dance, where we could rejoice, where we could be together, where I would be your God and you would be my people. Amen. So while I was in the burg, uh, I got blessed, you can blame it on Sel, but I got blessed <laughs> with Sel, <cell. laughs> she's not impressed, okay, don't blame it on Sel, but I asked her to bring me back a book. I her to bring me back a book because um, I really wanted to hear what he had to say. It's a book by Chris Vallotton. It's called uh, uh, Wealth, Riches, and Prosperity, or what, um, or Poverty, or I even can't remember. Well, I mean, I've got the book, but. And I read the book, and it it has really challenged my life. It's wrecked my life. It's turned my life a little bit upside down. I've been stretched beyond and uh, what it has done is make me begin to dig again into the, to the Bible and begin to um, find out some things that God speaks about wealth and riches and finances. Because believe it or not, I know this is a shocking thing, but believe it or not, 95% of everybody that I meet, I have to counsel on finances. I know that sounds strange. I know there's so many other things that could be counseled on, but uh, finances is actually the number one. And I thought it'd be good for us just to talk about it, have a look at it, and uh, and maybe just uh, walk a journey through it. You know, there's over two and a half thousand scriptures on wealth, finances, riches in the Bible, more than any other topic. Do you know that Jesus talked about wealth, riches, and finance more than any other topic? Isn't that amazing? That yeah, when we sit in church, even right now, as I'm saying this topic. Doors. Fort Knox is kicking into gear um, I've taken up the offering you can relax there's no pressure um, I just feel that because it's so important and it does it's very much part of our lives every single day it's speaking to us that it'll be good to just uh, walk a journey through with it have a look at the things wrestle with some things that the Bible says principles that the Bible says versus not what some book says not what Uh, Mr. Buffett says, or what uh, Bill Gates says, or anyone else says what what the Bible says, amen? We have the privilege today of having this amazing thing called the internet, and when you have an amazing thing called the internet, it means everybody gets an opinion. And then everybody thinks their opinion counts. Sadly, there are a lot of tweets on Twitter. I mean, there's a lot of tweets on Twitter. The reality is nobody's opinion counts and doesn't count that much, this opinion counts. Amen. And if we build our lives on that opinion, we can see what God's wanting to do, amen, and, and trust him for. And One of the things with finances, um, and this is not a financial seminar, so please, this is just, uh, I'm just trying to introduce something, is that um, a large number of people still do not even have a budget. So they do not even know where their money is going every single month. (laughs) Let me ask you this simply. If you were gonna build a five million rand home here today, would you just invite some guy with a bucky and some tools in the back of it and you just rock up and you would just go, "Um, I kind of want sort of, uh, kind of like that big thing over here and... um, and, uh, and the entrance door somewhere over here. And, uh, and just, you know that nice place with flowers that your atrium, that's it, what it's called. And, uh, and then you just like have the oak sleeping somewhere on this part of the house. But we do that with our finances. We just kind of go, listen, we've got finances. Let's try and make our way. And then Lord, we, we seem to have stumbled and haven't made our way. So don't you want to come and just pour out your blessing? <laughs> just fix everything. I knew it I knew it didn't knew it didn't work. I tried that. okay, now that I ruffle feathers, let me go back to the word. One of the mistakes one of the big mistakes that we do make in the church, and it's because of wrong teaching and stuff that's happened is that we equate uh spirituality with money and wealth, so like we we, we kind of join the two that that's that's that that's an error in terms of uh, the, the gospel. It's a great deception that any of our lives could be measured spiritually by what we own or how much money we have or our income, etc. But don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Paul, 1 Corinthians 15, said that first the natural, then the spiritual, and there's some things in the natural that express the spiritual. Are you with me? Um, Proverbs 10:22. if you want to just, uh, if you've got your, how many of you have got Bibles here this morning, just by the way? Got Bibles? It's very important, amen, to have a Bible. It's like going to the golf course without golf clubs, right? Amen. Please bring your Bibles, it's really important because we can, we can look at Scripture, but Proverbs chapter 10, verse 22, it says, the Lord makes rich and adds no sorrow to it. It's a beautiful scripture. Whenever blessing and increase is a result of pursuing something else, it is blessed and has no sorrow. Whenever blessing is a result of pursuing blessing, it always costs. Blessing and increase is supposed to be the result of correct priorities. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and the rest will be added. Blessing in the Bible, blessing in the Lord is meant to be as a result of correct priorities. Right? In Proverbs, basically in Proverbs, there are two concepts and they are held in tension with one another. The first one is that wisdom is to be pursued instead of wealth. Look at all those scriptures and all you're getting, get wisdom. Wisdom is to be pursued instead of wealth. That's the one concept. And then the other concept is those who pursue wisdom become wealthy. (laughs) And you've gotta hold those two in tension in the Bible. See, as long as you maintain the core value of the kingdom, then blessing can increase and it will not come with any sorrow. There are basically three foundations that we build upon in this life. There is the religious foundation, there is the kingdom foundation. When we talk about the religious foundation, we're talking about the religious system we talk about the kingdom, we're talking about the kingdom of God. And then there is also the political foundation or political system. Your religious foundation is where God is given value, but there's no relationship. He's not given any power, any ability to move or to operate. He's just given value in the central. So he's the central guy, but there's no relationship. In the kingdom, let me do the kingdom last. Then you've got the political system, which is kind of humanism. Let's put it this way, simply where man is Lord. So in the political system or humanism, man is Lord. In the religious system, God has given value, but there's no connect. So it's a system where it's just simply performance and then you've got the kingdom of God, and then the kingdom of God, central to the foundation of the kingdom of God, is that Jesus is Lord. Yoo-hoo! That's the central foundation, friends. Those are the three foundations on which you build. I understanding of Jesus as Lord has been so corrupted, so misunderstood, so messed up in in terms of the church, that often what we build upon is is this foundation or that foundation without realizing it? How many know that when we got born again, how many have you ever heard this? How many have you ever heard this, that no, um, you just when you get born again, just accept Jesus as your Savior, and then let it, it'll, you can grow into Him being your Lord. Have you heard that? See, the millennials are going, huh? No, I don't understand that. See, with all the older folks going, yeah, oh, no, I remember that. That was true. It was like. How many believe this? How many believe that you can be saved but not be a disciple of God? <laughs> you see, what we've done is we've kind of. Got this foundation wrong. Jesus is Lord. Can you imagine this conversation? That Jesus is standing there, and the Father is telling him, "Son, what I need you to do is, I need you to go to Earth. I need you to, to, uh, don't let anything intimidate or get into your life, or just stay true to the word. Just, just, um, um." um don't sin. Don't do anything wrong, whatever and that. And when you don't sin, you just, people are going to hate you. They're not going to like you. They're going to abuse you. They're going to shout at you. They're going to want to kill you. And, um, but just keep loving them and, uh, and just, uh, just journeying, whatever, and just showing who I am and displaying my nature, my character, all of that, whatever. And then they're going to get so angry with you because you're so pure and so holy and you're not doing anything wrong. And you're just so shining up their faults and their cracks and everything. And they're just going to get so angry that they're going to grab hold of you and they're going to stick you on a cross and, and they're going to smash the nails through your hands and put thorns in your head and you're going to have to bleed and, and, uh, and there's going to be such an excruciating pain and it's, it's, it's probably the worst way anybody can ever die and all of that um, but I need you to do that son because um, I need a way to get these people saved imagine Jesus' response, to, sorry <laughs> a way you think Jesus goes through all of this process, there are many ways to get to God. I will just do this for you so that there is a way. I want to tell you today, no way. Jose, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And when Jesus comes and stands before us, it's not some nice invitation. It's not saying, listen, by the way, you've got a bit of sin, so I tell you what, just uh, how, uh, just you, you can take a little part of my salvation, take a little part of me, just get your sins forgiven, and then we'll work on the other aspects of it. I, know, um, I don't know if I'm worthy to actually take over your life straight away. I know you've got some issues. I know you're a selfish guy, and you've got some control issues, and, and making me, Lord, is like... And don't worry, just don't read Galatians 2.20 yet. Just leave it, leave it there for the moment. I have been crucified with Christ. No longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me, the life that I now live. I live by faith in the Son of God. You can't have him as Savior and not Lord. He's Lord, right? Right? You cannot be saved and not be a disciple. Now I know that we're saved through Jesus Christ and His blood, friends. So I'm not saying one causes the other. What I'm saying is, I'm not saying flowers cause spring, but I am saying you can't have spring without flowers. When you get born again and you surrender and you give your life to God and He becomes your Lord, you become a disciple. Because your life becomes surrendered to Him. Jesus didn't come just to clean a little, clean you up a little bit and kind of fix and repair some broken vessel. Friends, you and I were broken. He came and He gave us a completely new vessel. He didn't just repair, he made us brand new. And this brand new vessel has a whole new modus operandi, hard drive, uh, way of thinking, operating, doing, everything has changed. When we come and we build on this foundation, friends, everything that we do bows to his lordship and to his rule and reign, right? Now this is important because my training Financially, friends, a lot of it does not line up with this. But if He's my Lord, I have to look at this, and I have to then say, okay, let me bow. He's Lord, and let me build on this foundation, and then watch God bless. Because when I build on that foundation, it comes with increase and no sorrow. We don't have to be rocket scientists to look around in the world today and see all those that are economically wealthy and how they've achieved and what's happened in their lives and then look at the, the, the journey and the cost that it took, friends. On their third or fourth marriages, uh, nervous breakdowns, um, family life, messed up, a whole bunch of stuff that's happened. To get there. Friends, you can get there but it comes with sorrow if you build on another foundation. How many know that the religious foundation believes in family? The religious system and foundation wants good family. The kingdom of God wants good family. The political humanism wants good family. But you have to build good family on the foundation of the lordship of Jesus Christ. Otherwise it might look good, friends, but it's counterfeit and it comes with sorrow. That's why we've got the millennials today. Oh, this is naughty. The (laughs) we've got the millennials today going and looking in the Bible and they're having a look and they're going, I'm just trying to find out, bringing up kids here, family, um, where's this time out (laughs) thing? But I'm seeing a lot about the rod. What's this rod thing, Al? Don't worry. It's a little cuddly thing. In Greek, it means cushion. (laughs) Means nice pillow. Come on, I'm teasing and I'm being naughty, but it's the reality of the truth. Friends, you all want good family, but you build it on this one and you build it on that one. Friends, it comes with sorrow. It's very difficult to go into a lift today with people with kids. Just try it. It's a confined space. When you're with kids, with families, friends, you need space to run away from those kids because in the confined space, friends, it is ridiculous. It's like, I wanna push all the buttons. No, 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 please. It's a lift, I can't give you time out. I don't know where to give you time out. Just, Just calm down. And don't push all the buttons. No, don't push all the buttons. See all these people? Now they're also angry with you because, because you've pushed all the buttons. See, look at them. They're all angry. Oh, we are angry. But we don't want to give him time out. We want to be biblical and apply something to the seat of his understanding. Friends, so when it comes to finances, let's just be biblical Let's just look at it, and this is my goal. My goal in the life of the church, my goal in the life of the church is that every one of us would just settle the financial things that are in the Bible. We would say, your Lordship, Lord, we just wanna apply, we wanna settle those things in our hearts and lives, and we wanna journey free. Amen? If there's anything that I say this morning that's unsettling you, then it's not settled in your heart. And I'm trying my very best, before God, I'm trying my very best just to preach the Word of God. And after I've preached the word of God, it's still, it's niggling you. Even the the fact that I'm preaching finances, if it's niggling you, settle it in God. Because I can promise you that it speaks to you throughout your whole day and your whole week and your whole life all the time. And if I'm not speaking to you, someone else is speaking to you and surely you'd wanna hear the word of the Lord and not some other nice book. friends, Like I love when fat people come and they want to t- talk to me about my diet. I <laughs> me no, not go there. <laughs> moving on. Yes, yeah, sorry. Moving on. Moving on. That was naughty. The thoughts were, were coming. Okay. So what I thought this morning is, just as an opener, I've called this, Lukey, I've called this something. What have I called it? Politics, Prosperity and Purpose, okay. What I thought this morning is drop out a couple of uh, uh, core principles and understanding and values that are entrenched in the Word of God that we are called to build on. And everything that we build on, let 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 me explain this and get this right. When you build on the Lordship of Jesus Christ, friends, when you build well, when you build right, friends, it, it, it lasts, it's strong, it's healthy, friends, and it's applicable in every single sphere of life, culture, society, or person. When you build on the wrong foundations, on religious systems, or you build on political or humanism systems, friends, then it, it doesn't transfer into other different cultures. So what we have is people preaching prosperity, that God wants us to be prosperous and He wants us to have a whole bunch of money and it doesn't transfer very well into Africa and a person who's sitting there in a hut with no finances, just uh, doing what he needs to do, friends, and, and doesn't transfer well into missionaries that God's called into the most difficult places and they're giving up everything that they have to serve the Lord and do the gospel, friends, and then, but hold on, the, the, but I'm supposed to be wealthy. If it's according to the Bible, and it's spiritual, and I'm flocking, and people are flocking to churches because the guy's wearing a fancy watch, has got a plane, and, a, and a fancy cars and houses, because the Bible says all Christians, they're supposed to be wealthy. It's an indication that you are really spiritual, and that you love God, and that you're full of faith. Friends, that doesn't transfer into culture. That's built on the wrong thing. When you build on this one, then you understand that what God's wanting to do, friends, this thing here nourishes, strengthens, and it can transfer into every single area. See, we have authority over finances. I'm jumping into another realm here, but we have authority over finances, every single aspect of financially, friends. But the truth about our finances is that every single one of our needs will be met according to what God has called us to and purposed us in our hearts. Some people have been called into the sphere, friends, of millionaires or billionaires. And if they're called into the sphere of millionaires and billionaires, friends, then they need the finances to buy the house in Santon. They need the finances to buy the cars in Santon, Because that's a group of people that you and I might never be able to meet. And they have the, that God will supply all their needs that they need to fulfill the mandate and the purpose that God has given them. And then there's other people that are called to be in Africa in a, in a little hut, friends in Kenya, whatever, ministering to them and God will supply all their needs that they need for the purposes and the plans that God's got for. And neither of them are in competition or need to compare. Because when they get to heaven one day, he's gonna say good and faithful servant. Enter into my, the joy of my salvation because you did what I called you to do friends and you did what I called you to do and both of you will get the same reward. And when you're in heaven, to be honest with you, this is my belief, friends, but the reward will mean squat. Because when you stand before the King of kings and the Lord of lords, I don't care what he gives me, I just wanna love you. Woohoo! you're so beautiful. Not hold on, let me have a look at the pal. <laughs> oh, look at him, I wonder what he did. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, we have this weird mentality, friends, it's called worldliness. We just want to serve Him, we want to love Him, we want to do everything that He's called us to do, amen. Amen. So what I'm saying to you is that God wants to supply everything that we need for His purposes and His plans. And whatever that means to you, it's not in competition. Inside of this church, friends, a billionaire should be able to sit very comfortably just like a guy who lives in a squatter camp and earns a thousand rand a month. They should be able to sit exactly the same because God honors and loves them exactly the same, friends. We're not trying to transfer wealth from the billionaire to the squatter camp. And that's why a billionaire won't be comfortable because that mentality, friends, does not belong in the church. That billionaire friends be called by God to minister, to meet. Uh, the same Bible applies to him as it applies to, to, the, to the squatter camp guy. The squatter camp guy is called to be generous. And to love people and to bless and to be and to, used by God and whatever God says to them to do, to do just as much as that guy is, friends. We're not trying to transfer wealth and get everybody. Friends, we, there's no needy one among them because they're trusting the Lord. My God shall supply all of my needs. Not Jim the billionaire. But my God will supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory, not Jim's wealth, right? When you understand this, friends, you understand the kingdom of God, we're all operating and doing what God's called us to do, and He's gonna provide everything that we need for, for godliness and for, for life in what we've called to do to fulfill the mandate, the purpose, and the plan, amen. And if you're not there, you're missing, you, 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 we miss you. I don't care if you're in the squatter camp, I don't care if you're the billionaire, we miss you. I don't miss the billionaire because I like him to be there because the offerings are quite higher than that week. Come on, who missed the drums this morning? I love the drums. I just, and take nothing away from the team. The team was phenomenal. So I'm not, I'm not elevating the drums. What I'm saying is, trying to use the example, I'm trying to say, we missed the drums. Some of you might go, I don't really care for the drums. But we did miss them, they're part of the whole team. Friends, we miss you when you're not here. You're part of the team. But life can still carry on and we can still do stuff and it was wonderful and we had a worship, beautiful worship, friends. But we do miss you. Amen. That's another issue. So let's, okay, let's first, let's just deal with the first one very quickly. Let's kill it. Oh, Lord. Okay, go slower. i putting. spitting. Slow down, slow down. Okay, the first one is, God is not scared of wealth. God loves wealth. It actually excites him. Otherwise, man, I don't know why we want to go to heaven. Because, man, that is a crazy wealthy place. The streets are gold. The gates are pearls. Can you imagine the poor oyster that popped that sucker out? It's just that is just one. It's the, the whole gate. So God is displaying to us lavishness of the kingdom of God, lavishness of heaven, friends. But on earth, He's saying, "Listen, uh, woo, not so much for you. You did a little bit too much there. You do, and He's sure. No, I'm not really into wealth. God is friends. Heaven is a delightful place. Why would He want to display something that's? Inherently evil. That is wonderful. My Bible tells me it's inherently a genuine problem inside of me that's the problem, not the wealth. The love of money is the root of the problem. See, I gotta adjust that, but not money, wealth. Friends, can I tell you this? I'll let you out a little secret. We are never going to get the Great Commission done without money. I'll say it quietly. Hopefully the people listening on the internet can't hear. (laughs) Friends, you must be nervous about finances. God loves us. He wants to bless us. He's lavished heaven with financial awesomeness and and wealth and, and riches. And He wants now to bless his people, but inherently, there's a problem in the, <laughs> the hard drive, the system, the connection there is, so you have to build on this foundation where Jesus is, Lord, got it, I'll just keep saying it over and over, okay, then the second one, this truth in the Bible, let's just kill this one very quickly, or not so quickly, or, and then I'll probably have to land. The first thing is, I've, I talked a little while ago, I forget when it was, whatever, I've talked about the tithe. So I'm, I'm not going to now give you a whole expose on the tithe. Please go and look on the website and find where I, where I talked about it. I just wanna kill the, the, a few of the little cows, um, bring the farmer back into his meadow and, uh, and then um, help us understand. So. The big thing with the tithe, friends, is that the bottom line is a lot of people, is go, it's Old Testament, it's under law, and we're now under grace and we don't have to do it. Right? Question I always ask people, when they are fighting against the tithe, are you fighting against the tithe because you want to give more? Or are you fighting against the tithe because you want to give less? I have yet to find somebody, please somebody be the most miraculous, wonderful, supernatural, beautiful person to come to me and say, go on 10%, I'm fighting against it because it's just so wrong 10%, I I think it should be 20 or 30%. (laughs) Most people fight against the tithe friends because they think it's a little too much. I didn't bring up the concept, God brought it up, okay? The tithe was not given to us through the law, can we kill that? That's a cow. Let's kill it. The tithe was not given to us through the law. The tithe came through Abraham. Not through the law. The law came 400 years later and just ratified what Abraham had done, okay? Then an understanding of who Abraham is, Abraham is the father of us all. And Abraham believed God in faith And now we, like Abraham, are also children of faith. Abraham and Sarah, Abraham was like 100 years old, like everything had gone south and everything was, and Sarah was like 80 years old and everything had also gone south. And then God comes and supernaturally enables them to have a child. And miraculously, they have this incredible miracle of a child, friends. It's a beautiful illustration, understanding, friends, that as the people of God, we had gone south. (laughs) But there's a miracle that happens that Jesus came that causes us to be born again. And all we've gotta do is believe God and step into that in faith. Abraham is the father of faith. It's a faith thing, right? Now Abraham, friends, in I think it's John chapter eight verse around 39, Jesus is busy talking to a whole group of people and he's uh, telling them that they are of their father, the devil. And they're going, no, 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 but we are of our father, Abraham. And Jesus says, if you were of your father Abraham, you would do the deeds that your father Abraham did. So Jesus is displaying saying, if, you are, if, you're, if Abraham is your father, then your life should display the deeds of what he did. That he, he, he displayed a faith and a belief in God, and we as born again believers, so it's not Abraham's actual blood lineage that are his descendants. Romans, I think it's chapter four verse 11 and Galatians three around in the 20s, maybe 26, 29 around there, where it actually says that those who are born again are the children or descendants or the seed of Abraham. And if we're the seed of Abraham, God says and we should be following and doing what Abraham did. That's faith and applying faith to the things that we were doing. One of the things that Abraham, one of the things Abraham was doing was tithing. Abraham tithed to Melchizedek, Genesis 14. Melchizedek in in Hebrews chapter seven is a type of Jesus because it says he had no beginning and he had no end. So right back then, Abraham was tithing to a type of Christ, right? I don't want to get into tithing too, uh, too much in that. But so, let me move on to principle, to another principle quickly. When we go to Malachi, okay, Ma- Malachi, it's in the Old Testament, just at the last book before you get to the New Testament, and then when we read Malachi, friends, we realize that in Malachi, oh, Malachi, whoops, that's, a, that's, that's the prophet on tithing. Well, oh, it's the Old Testament. <laughs> it's all gone now. <laughs> so Jesus put it in the Bible and he put it in there just for a brief moment. Now that Jesus has come, it's all just garbage. Just throw it out. Don't worry. You don't have to read it. Friends, that's what the church's mentality is. But in there, friends, there's a whole lot of stuff. And Malachi begins to prophesy and declare about the future New Testament church, friends, and he talks about the fathers being restored to the the hearts of the fathers being restored to the kids and the hearts of the kids being restored to the father. And he begins to prophesy and declare a whole bunch of stuff, right? So whether it's Malachi, uh, the prophet, or whether it's Malachi, the Italian, it's put in the Bible for a reason, friends. It's put in there so that we should read it and study it and understand it because there are principles in that book. And we know that everything has to be taken through the cross. I understand that, and we have to understand, I'll get to that. We have to understand, friends, that the point of the cross is the pinnacle point of history. And there are things that came to the cross and stopped and never went through. There are other things, friends, that came to the cross and changed. And there are some things, friends, that never changed as they went through the cross. Quick example of that, just as I'm thinking about it now, is the things that changed would be animal sacrifices, right? They just stopped at the cross. No more animal sacrifices. Jesus sacrificed once for all. Then there's some things that changed, friends, like the Sabbath. Before the cross, the Sabbath was a day. Now through the cross, the Sabbath has changed. Jesus is our Sabbath. There is now a Sabbath rest for us to enter into. Do I believe in having a day off or whatever and having a kip and rest? Yeah, that's really good for your body and all of that. But you can live in the Sabbath rest every single day of the week. It's changed when it came through the cross. And the other things that never changed, friends, the thing that never changed is worship, Davidic worship, right? So we have to understand about the cross, but friends, we have to be very careful how we share these things as the people of God that hold on, there's a book in the Bible, but actually it talks a lot about, oh, it was tithing, I didn't know. (laughs) No, it it talks about tithing, friends, we wanna throw it out because it's old. Friends, tithing has got nothing to do with the law, uh, well, it has got to do with the law, but it was not brought in by the law, it was, came before the law. It's a principle that was ratified by the law, right? So when I come there, I wanna hear what he's got to say. And there's a principle that he talks about. He says, will a man rob God? How will, how, uh, uh, Malachi 3, verse eight, how, how have we robbed you? We've robbed you of tithes and offerings. There's a robbing here of tithes and offerings. <sighs> how do you rob somebody? It must belong to them, Right? And I'll move on this one very fast because I don't want to hang around there, but I'll just quickly say it. You have robbed them of tithes and, Ooh. you can rob God of offerings as well. Ooh. Everyone's gone quiet, so I'm just gonna slow down and read Malachi. Start to finish, no. <laughs> Let me just read quickly, Malachi chapter three, verse eight. You probably haven't read this because you tore out your Bible, but let me, <laughs> let me read it to you because it's still in my Bible. Okay, so Malachi chapter three, verse eight. But you say, how shall we return? He's talking about returning, by the way. It's a context of people returning back to God. And he said, how shall we return? Will a man rob God? You are robbing me. But you say, how have you robbed me? In the tithes and offerings. Okay, now this is a good example. You are cursed with a curse. So because of the law, and he was ratified and put into the law. If you didn't obey the law and you failed or were disobedient, then a curse came on you. Then Jesus came and became our curse for us, right? So now that we don't, we're not gonna get cursed subsequent to the cross, we can throw out the baby as well. You see, thou shalt not murder, but now that Jesus has come, friends, we'll just kill a couple of people and it's fine. What kind that? It's just the understanding, friends. I'm just, I'm trying to help us here. Um, But you say, how have we robbed you in your tithes and offerings, your curse with a curse, for uh, you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. Wow. Wowza, just that last little part. I will pour out a blessing until there's no more need. Wow, I tithe to the Lord, friends, and give him offerings because I want the windows of heaven to pour out a blessing until there's no more need. It's interesting that tithing, friends, is not a guarantee of me being a billionaire or a millionaire. Tithing is a guarantee of me not having needs. Wow. I'd love to be in a place, friends, where God, and this is what happened to Israel, where God just says you need to come and they brought their tithes and their offerings and they piled it up and there were heap offerings. And there were so much heap offerings, they said, whoa, stop. We don't know what to do with this now. Why? Because there was something to do with it. Woo! He provides for us because there's something to do with it. He doesn't understand 65. Oh, that I can feel in the spiritual realm. Poof. Ow. One of the most powerful things here in this principle, again, we know we've got to transfer it through the cross. I'm gonna do that. I'll unpack everything as we go along. Not today. The reality is, friends, it's the only place in the Bible that I can find that says, test me. My God is telling me, test me in this. Well, I've already torn the thing out of the Bible and I'm just I don't wanna hear about that, I'll just let me just carry on. God saying, no, do it and test me. Don't try it, friends, because the principle is not about trying, you don't try God. Just inherently, that's not gonna happen or work. You don't try him as Lord. Let me see, I'll give, you, I'll give you three hours of my day. Let me see how well you do in those three hours. And maybe I'll give you four hours, and maybe six hours, and maybe it will grow. Just let me work on, he's Lord or he's not Lord at all, right? So here he's saying, test me in this, and he's saying, listen, this principle that I, and then he uses something very interesting and I'm landed with this concept. And if we just catch this, grab hold of this, the concept is simply this. In principle, he's tying something in the natural with something in the spiritual. He's saying, bring your tithes and offerings into the storehouse and see if not the windows of heaven will be opened and pour out a blessing. How many know that when he's talking about the windows of heaven open and pouring out a blessing, he's not talking just about money. What's the windows of heaven open and pouring out a blessing illustrate, friends? It's everything of heaven being poured out upon our lives. It's a visitation. It's an encounter with God. There's something about in the natural, me doing with tithes and offerings, friends, that's connected to a spiritual breakthrough. God. God here is tying something in the natural to something in the spiritual. He's saying, you do this, and then spiritually there's a, something happens. You go, oh yeah, but you see, that's why it's in the Old Testament. Oh, I was gonna close, but I have to now go to another scripture. So, okay, (laughs) let me just quickly go there. Luke, let me read you Luke, Luke chapter 16. says, the one who is faithful, verse 10, one who is faithful and very little is also faithful and much, and one who is dishonest and very little is also dishonest and much, verse 11. If then you have been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust to you the true riches? So I used to think the true riches, that's the serious money. He's not talking about money here, friends. What he's talking about is true riches. Every single one of us here this morning, if we're very honest with ourselves, we're not here for more money. We are really here for the true riches. I'm here for more of the presence of God, more of the power of God, more of the authority of God. By the way, just as a little quick connection there before I move on, it's just to say this. I was chatting to someone the other day and they're talking about, yes, that's so powerful, God, I'm grabbing hold of it. Jesus said, all authority in heaven and earth is given to us. Yes, I have all authority, now I'm gonna do all authority. And I said, well, just, just by the way, you also have Jesus inside of you. He is our authority maybe just commune and chat and whatever, then just grab hold of all authority and now and begin to just, right? It's relationship, friends, I I'm catching this. So here, God's saying, if you can't be trusted with unrighteous mammon, then how can I trust you with the true riches? True riches, friends, are from heaven. He's tying up something here. He's saying, if you will be faithful, with the natural, unrighteous mammon. Because remember money, friends, that you've got in your bank account or wherever you've got it, friends, in your wallet or whatever it is, friends, that has been used for many different things. It may have been used for, to buy drugs, it may have been used to, to pay a prostitute, whatever, unrighteous mammon, friends. But when you take that unrighteous mammon and you bring it into the Lordship of Jesus Christ, you become the general of your army and your money is your soldiers. You then have command over what's in your hand, friends. And the Bible says when you do this part right, when you make the God's part, when you give it back to Him, friends, when you make it His, friends, then it it sanctifies the whole. Then the whole of your finances now becomes righteous. So if you'll be trusted with unrighteous mammon, if you will take the unrighteous mammon, friends, and you'll be trusted with it, and you will give what's God's portion and do what's right, friends, you'll be trusted with true riches, outpouring of God, the spiritual. Friends, again, Jesus is tying up the natural with the spiritual. He's tying up, tithing, friends, with a spiritual outpouring and a trusting of the spiritual things of God. Just like in Malachi, so Jesus is doing it as well in the New Testament, right? And again, please, these little truths that come out, or these little errors, let me rather say that, errors and funny teachings when they go, no, but Jesus was teaching before the cross. And then after the cross, everything changes and what have you, so that's just Jesus teaching. If you ask me what are Jesus is teaching, it's all the red letter. Stuff in the Bible. So God said, listen, I'll tell you what you're going to do, Jesus. Just preach three years and share all of that. And then when you go to the cross, it's going to be irrelevant anyway. Come on. Come on, we're cleverer than that. Everything that Jesus said, everything that he said is relevant, friends. It's relevant today as it was uh, when he first said it. And it'll be relevant in the end of time as well. Everything that Jesus said, we need to take and we need to eat and we need to digest. This is Jesus speaking and telling us something. And just because I can, I'll just throw this out. If you, have not been, if you have not been faithful in unrighteous wealth, who will entrust to you the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? There's only one thing in the Jewish understanding in the Jewish uh, Uh, doctrine and teaching, friends, that they would have understood when they heard that from Jesus. If you can't be entrusted with what's not your own, there's only one thing that's not their own. It's the task. If you'll be faithful with that, then I know you'll be faithful when I give you. Well, I wish I could teach all the others, but time's up. But friends, all I want to encourage us with is that we've got to build on the foundation of the Lordship of Jesus Christ. If we build on the foundation of the Lordship of Jesus Christ, it will add blessing, and the blessing will have no sorrow. It does not come with any sorrow, aches, pains, friends, if we will just build right. These things are entrenched in the word of God for us to understand. So I just bow. and I, What I could speak on this morning is I could tell you that what's very interesting, even in Malachi chapter three, he says, bring all or the whole tithe, which means there were some who... Do you know in, in Luke chapter 18, I forget, I think it's about verse 8, 9, 10, 11, round about there, is the story of the, the um, Pharisee and the tax collector, and he's standing there and he's praying, and the Pharisee's praying, and he says, thank God I'm not like all these people and like that guy and, and what have you, because I fast twice a week, interesting. One of his claims to fame and one of his declarations to impress God was I fast twice a week, And then his next thing is he said, and I give you all of the tithe. One of the key demonstrations in those days to try and impress God was that I give you all, right? Matthew 23, Jesus speaking, he says, you tithe on your dill and your cumin, even tithing on your little herbs, but you've forgotten the weightier matters justice and mercy and faithfulness. You should have done these and not neglected those. He was emphasizing again, friends, that they even tithed on their, he didn't say, you know what, by the way, leave your herb garden, it's all right. He was saying you should have done that. Friends, there's something about all Again, not the philosophy, not the understanding, hold on, God understands me, build on this relationship, let me build on that relationship, build on this, friendship. What does he say? He says, bring all. That's the right foundation and it will come with no sorrow. Well, this month I can't bring all, I'll bring 8%, I'll just, 2% will be, it sounds good, friends. But it's not built on this foundation, it will add sorrow to you. Can I share this with you? And I've finished and simply say this. Because the tithe belongs to God, you know that you can never keep it? Because the tithe belongs to God, friends, if you don't give it to God, the devourer has the right to take it. And He takes it every single time and he's very clever how he takes it the washing machine just miraculously broke down the car needs an extra two tires so uh, i'm new testament brother <laughs> i'm throwing out principles friends which i will unpack So please don't have a bad week, have a great week, and don't wrestle, you don't have to send any emails. Everything that I've said will be unpacked fully and presented to you in that understanding. I'm throwing out principles here, friends, that we can just challenge our heart and our mind with and say, where are we building? There are three foundations, and which foundation are we building on? Because the one that we build on will determine, friends, how we live. And one, friends, will develop and grow and there will be blessing and there'll be no sorrow. But the other two friends, it comes at a cost, it comes at a price. And one of those principles, just in that building on the right foundation is the tithe. Amen. Are we happy, are we smiling? All good, shall we stand? So I purposely threw that in so that I could get it over with in the first session because in the next couple of sessions, I think this thing might take a few few sessions, I want to uh, unpack uh, our authority with finances, all in the Bible. Um, I want to unpack how God is lavish in His generosity and His giving that he believes in us, having all the finances that we need, but it has purpose again. So I wanna unpack some of those truths. I want us as a church to live in a place where we have everything that we need to influence the sphere that we operate in and to be an incredible example and an overflow to others. Um, just a reminder, ne- next week, um, while I was sitting in the burg I got a download of, of our, the vision, the mandates, the values, uh, even a, a flow chart of the church um, and how we operate. So if you're here today and you kind of don't know where you fit or how am I supposed to fit or, or how, what, what does the church look like, what are its different parts, uh, then if you can, come next week. And I'm gonna unpack that and do that next week. I'm just gonna do a, a kind of a vision Sunday in September. Um, for, just because so, I've just had a lot of people saying to me, but I wanna know where I fit and how can I do this and how can I help and what can I do? So I'm just gonna unpack that, put a picture for every single one of us, see where all the different parts are, why they are they there, um, so that we can understand the reason why and we can value what we do. All of that, I'm gonna unpack that next week um, and then we'll continue. Um, with the series after that the following week. But just this morning, um, I've said a lot, and, and just I don't wanna just move on quickly uh, from this and go, yay, okay, phew, thank the Lord, that's over. <laughs> I actually, I, I want us just to give God a few moments, just to, just to speak to our hearts, really, that's all. I, I, I'm not here, friends, to manipulate or to try and control you. Um, honestly, that's, if, any, if that ever happens, that's demonic. Um, I really am not into the stuff that goes on. Uh, we see it in Acts chapter 8. I think it's verse around about 18, where Simon wants to buy. He sees Peter and John moving, the Holy Spirit and power. And he says, Hey, how do I have that? You know, I want, you want, I'll give you money for it. You can't buy that, friends. The stuff that goes on on TV, guys go, listen, if you give you 100 Rand now, you get a free mug and a t shirt, and I'll prophesy over you. Or for 500, I'll, uh, I'll you know, I'll pray for healing you can't manipulate or control the things of God. The anointing of God is not for sale. But friends, there are certain things that we have to do in order to bring about the flow and the river in our lives. One of those things is being generous. (laughs) One of those things is giving. Give and it shall be given. Press down, shaking together, running over. So I just wanna pray for us. Lord, I just pray right now. And just for those... That thought I'd started the prayer, I'm starting it now. For those of us standing here this morning who are not settled in the area of finances and money and the church and tithes and offerings and giving, Lord, I just ask that you would come, Holy Spirit, and that you would settle this thing once and for all in our hearts. Lord, I pray that we would be honest with ourselves. Whether we're intimidated or whether we have been hurt in the past or whether people have abused our giving and whether the pastor has bought a new car or done whatever, Lord God, that's wobbled us, I do just pray right now, Lord God, that you would come with your healing balm of Gilead, that you would come, Lord Jesus, and that you would heal and restore our souls in that area, Lord, because we cannot afford to live with a knee-jerk reaction to that, Lord. We have to live according to the Word of God. We have to build on the foundation of the Lordship of Jesus Christ. We have to build on that which your Word says and only what your Word says, Lord. So I pray today, everything that I've said, that people would take it, they would chew on it, they would begin to study it, they would take your Word and sit there, Lord God. It's a lost art, Father, of just sitting there and opening your Word and just pondering and meditating on your Word and reading the Scriptures and going over and over it and finding revelation and waiting and allowing Holy Spirit to tell us and speak to us. And to settle this thing in our hearts, Lord God, because I firmly, firmly believe, Lord God, that you want to pour out a blessing. The blessing of the Lord makes rich and it adds no sorrow. Friends, when we learn to do this, we learn that there are two masters. The Bible says there are two masters. You cannot serve God and money. Either you will love the one and hate the other or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. Straight away, he's telling us that money is a master and you have to decide which is your master, one or the other, but they will be master. I pray today, Lord God, that we would make you Lord of all that we would settle it in our hearts, Father, as the people of God, and they would begin to trust you and honor you and allow the blessing of the Lord to come and it will add no sorrow. And I wanna thank you as I'm praying that today, I firmly believe, Lord God, that there should not be one needy one among us when we build on the right foundation. So Lord, as we do build as a church, I thank you, Lord God, for every single need met in this church in the name of Jesus. And I thank you, Lord God, that we will have every single thing that we need financially to fulfill the mandate and the purpose that God has given us as a church. Father, just as we've got the Thailand pastors here today, Lord God, that you would give us everything that we need, Lord God, to fulfill the mandate of this church in Thailand. If that means supporting Trevor and Rochelle, if that means supporting Pastor 2, if that means supporting the work or sending teams over there or doing whatever, thank you, Lord God, that you will provide that And every single country and every single place that you have called us to and mandated over this church, I thank you that we will have the finances to do all of that in the name of Jesus. Not just going out, Father, but next door here and down the road and Kaya Sands and the projects that we've got, Father, to help the poor and the needy right outside our front doorstep and all of that, Lord. That this will be a place, Lord God, where there's a pool of wealth, Lord God, Not so we can look at a bank account and go woohoo, but so that, Lord, there's not a needy one amongst us and there is never a shortage of the plans and for the plans and the purposes that God has over us. I ask this in the precious and mighty name of Jesus. I thank you right now, Lord God, as we stand together in agreement on your word, as we obey your word and fulfill your word, I thank you, Lord God, that you will honor that in the name of Jesus. May you fulfill and come in a mighty way financially over this church, Lord God, as we align ourselves with your word. And may we see the miraculous happen even this week, Lord, in people's lives. And those that are unemployed will get suddenly a job, will come their way. Those that just were working hard, just diligently going about their work, promotion will come their way. Those that were just trusting the Lord, contracts will come their way. New business will come their way. Thank you, Lord, you'll begin to breathe life, Lord God, because the windows of heaven are open. And see if you will not pour out a blessing, Lord God, in response to the hearts of your people in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Just thank you for your people today. Thank you for your people. If there's anybody here, just before we we go, if there's anyone here this morning who is just financially taking a lot of strain, please, with respect to everybody, if you can just raise your hand to heaven. Uh, nobody looking around. I'm not trying to embarrass anybody. I'm just saying, if you if you journeying something spiritually, just with your finances right now, where you battling where. I mean, I was chatting to somebody and they were just telling me how potentially at the end of the month their business could close and all these kinds of things. If you're there right now, just, I can feel in the anointing right now. Just lift your hands to God. Lord, I'm not even opening my eyes. I'm just saying, Lord God, that you know the hands that are going up and the people that have lifted their hands right now and that are crying out to you, Lord God. And I'm saying, Father, I'm saying, Lord, let your kingdom come and your will be done. And I'm saying, Lord, let your lordship and your rule and reign come upon every single one of those people with their hands lifted to you, Lord God. And I ask that you would come, Lord, and that you would touch their hearts and that you would help them in their weakness, Lord God, in the middle of their frailties, Lord God, to begin to trust you to begin to hand over control on the reins and begin to say, Lord, you said it, I'm gonna do it. I'm just gonna obey you and I'm just gonna let you do what only you can do, Lord. And I'm gonna believe, Father, as they come into line with your Lordship, and Lord, as they begin to trust you, they begin to obey you, I am thank you, Lord God, that you're gonna pour out. Because you said, test me, and we are testing you today, Lord God. We are saying every single person. It comes into line with your Lordship and rule and reign, begins to tithe, begins to honor you, begins to give offerings, begins to put themselves in that place, Lord God, right there on the water. I thank you, Father, where the only thing that's gonna keep them up is you. I thank you, Lord God, that even as we obey and do you, we're testing you, Father, and saying thank you, Lord God, for your outpouring over every single life. And every person that's raised their hand, Father, may they have a turnaround financially in the name of Jesus. A huge turnaround, Father, and I thank you for a turnaround of every single person in this church. They begin to see God's favor. And somebody here who's been waiting for a signature on a contract, waiting for something to come through, I just felt like the Lord said, it's going to happen, and I've done it. So look out this week, if you've been waiting for somebody to give you the nod, or to sign something, or to release something, it's going to happen. Just believe that right now and say, thank you, Lord God, for that to happen in the name of Jesus. I just thank you for every person here, Lord God. Thank you for their faithfulness. We do have an incredible group of people who are faithful, Lord God, in their giving. And I just thank you for them and I celebrate them, Lord God. And I thank you for all that you're doing in 24-7.